Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Ah, Benjamin, you're back. Welcome back to the tiny room. You had a little holiday last week. A hollybop. You were on your little hollybop. Benjamin, is it true that, um, this is just something we want to inform the listeners about, is it true that we both took a what would your Transformer name be? And your answer was Omicron Prime. (laughs) No, Michael, that's not true. Irrefutable. No, Michael, no, it's not. So I'm not... I'm not pointing any fingers, Ben, but I'm just saying that if there were fingers to be pointed, yours would be large robotic fingers. Sure, listen, Ben, we don't have time for this chit-chat because we've got a bit to cover this week, including but not limited to what even is arcane in all in any ways? And why can't Hawkeye, if he's a Hawkeye, why doesn't he have wings? What's going on? Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, we are going to be taking a look at our brand new series, Exhumed, where we dig through the the morass, Michael, of popular culture. And we find all the little films that have been forgotten in its heyday, all the little films oh. that maybe didn't maybe didn't have the, the lasting cultural legacy we expected them to have, Michael. Oh, no. Ben, I've misunderstood. I've misunderstood. Yeah, I've misunderstood. I thought we were doing a section on the video game Exhumed on the Sega Saturn. Oh, no, Michael. You and your Sega Saturn obsession have spoiled it again. Better known in in other markets as Power Slave, Ben, but in Europe known as Exhumed. Exhumed, eh? Um, Yeah. Well, no, Michael. This week it'll be our brand new series and we'll be taking a look at 12 Monkeys from 1995. Oh, oh, I've gotten mixed up. I've gotten like, exhumed one of the dead pets from the back garden. Yeah, no, that's fucked up. Ah, uh, well, bear with me because I might be distracted by the odour in the room today, Ben. The odour, yes. Very un- <laughs> it's very unpleasant. Benjamin! Yes. Sure, look it. What is Arcane and why is it? The latest in this rapid-fire string of the most popular shows on Netflix history. What's going on, Ben? Why is every show the most popular show in Netflix history? Because Netflix gets to control what they say. So they can just, ah, they can just claim, ah, I see. They can, they can technically just claim that every time, Michael. Yes, welcome to bloody season three of Bride-to-Be, the most popular show. In- You'll notice when you look, Michael, at the, the Netflix titles, there's a tiny little fine print after it saying the best Netflix show in history since last week. Since last week when it was Squid Game and since the week before that when it was Bridgerton. <laughs> is, is, Net- is Netflix viewership going up, Ben, or are they just tooting their own horn? I, I reckon they're just tooting their own horn, Michael, a lot of the time. I... Netflix is an interesting on. one. It's like turning on RTE at this point from an Irish perspective. It's it's just there for a lot of people, isn't it? It is it's, a bit. It's just it like, is a bit, isn't it? We have a look at, at Netflix, and and unless they've launched something that week, you're, you're kind of sat there going, eh, eh. Benjamin, did you have a look at the late late toy show? I didn't, Michael. I, uh, now, no. This this yeah, this yeah. is this is one of the many things in a long line of things that mark me out as not a proper Irish child. But I was never a toy show kid. Mm. We well, that explains we didn't so do much. The toy show in my house. Benjamin, what is Arcane? Arcane, Michael, is um, 
the latest show to hit Netflix. It's an animated show, Michael, and it's based on the phenomenally popular worldwide mass multiplayer online PC game, League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a mass multiplayer online. It's more of a MOBA. It's Sorry, it's a MOBA, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was testing you and you passed. Congratulations. Yes. But basically, Michael, it's it's set on certain characters in that world. I don't know if it's every character in that world. Um, so the series, Michael, centers around two sisters. and They have a strong bond. Um, and I hope they have a strong bond. Oh, sorry, you've preempted me there. <laughs> they do, Michael. Um, so it's set around Vi and Powder, Michael. And Powder. Powder, um, as, as the lads up in Cavan would say. Um, so, so anyway, it's set around these two. Um, and these two characters um, are very famous champions in League of Legends, uh, the online game that we've previously mentioned, Michael. Yes, I believe it's a MOBA. It's a MOBA, Michael, as you correctly pointed out. Not to be confused with a boba, Michael, which is a, no. a an Asian tea drink that you can uh, have a little slurp on every once in a while. Yes, or the MOBA or the MOBA Awards, Ben, Music of Black Origin Awards. Is that a, nothing to do with that. Is that, a, is that a thing? Yes, have you never heard the MOBA Awards, I've Ben? I've never heard of the MOBA Awards. But again, Michael, I am a committed racist, so that would be... Yes, and so sheltered. So sheltered. So sheltered. Such a sheltered life, Michael. Such a sheltered yes. life. Um, but it is set around two of the famous champions from the League of Legends game, one being Vi and the other being Jinx. Um, who, oh. Who you might have seen on the internet at different points, Michael. It's the lady with all the guns and the big blue hair and the long blue ponytail. Oh, she rings a bell-ish. Yeah, she's she's around there. Two very popular champions, Michael. And this is their kind of origin story. They're um, oh. Batman and Joker, if you will. Oh, very good. And uh, it's very good, Michael. They're a sister with a strong bond. But unfortunately, something happens, Michael, to sever that strong bond. Um, oh, no. And so uh, things careen against each other. And there's a bit of chaos. Michael, it's set in the fictional utopian town of Piltover. Piltover, I've never heard of Piltover. it. Piltover. And Piltover is a very technologically advanced um, society. And of course, Michael, whenever we have a utopia, we have to have a bloody underside to it, don't we, Michael? Oh, very good. We have to have a terrible yes. side. So there's the underground, which is also known as Zon. Um, and that's kind of our right. socioeconomic backdrop, Michael. We've got the technologically advanced Piltover versus the tread upon <laughs> uh, masses of Zon. And naturally, Very good. our two sisters yes. with a strong bond mm. are from Zon. Oh, they're from the rough side of the tracks, Ben. They're from the rough side of the tracks. Not unlike yourself and myself, Michael, being where we live. Uh, the, oh, very the good. rougher side of the tracks or uh, where we work on the rougher, rougher side of the tracks or oh, on yes, the north side good. of Dublin City. Um, oh, I see what you've done there. You've taken a shot at Dublin. Very, very <laughs> cruel, Benjamin. You won't win any fans. Oh, you're, you're some pillock. You're, yes, you're I know. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was told to make that joke, and I yeah, was yeah, told that I would have the full support of Mick. No evidence of that. No, he's ruined me. He's ruined me. Uh, but anyway, it's set in the uh, fictional town of Piltover, and uh, the kind of crux of it is, Michael, that Piltover is uh, close to discovering and harnessing magic. Okay. Oh. Um, and magic exists in this world, in the League of Legends world, but it's a very wild, chaotic thing that can't be controlled. So most technologically advanced societies won't touch it, Michael, because there's no scientific uh, guarantee that it will be consistent. I see. Okay. But, but what if you could tame the savage beast, Ben? Amen, brother. Amen. And then uh, what we get is two young books who are not our sisters, um, and they discover a way to harness magic. 
Hence, oh. hence the name Arcane, Michael. Oh, League of Legends. Movie. So um, it's a f- it's so good. <laughs> it's so very. Oh, really? Very is it? Good. It's really is it? really good. Is it though? So this is the thing. I was so reluctant to do this because I don't touch anything to do with video games because I generally find video games, unless the lore is fascinating to me, especially things like MOBAs, I, I don't understand them and I don't know how to play them. And they, they just hold a big thing to me. But Michael, this is very, very good. Is it though? Yeah. So every two episodes, there's a little bit of a time jump, just a little one okay. to, to move the yeah. story along and we get to see where things are. And... Michael, such joy in the animation of this. Um, it's getting praise around the world for the animation style that's kind of implemented. It's very like... Do you remember Sex, Death and Robots? Uh, was it not Love, Death and Robots? It's Love, Death and Robots, but I was testing you again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so, was listening. Yeah, I do remember it. Yeah. So that was a thing. Um, and there was one episode in that, Michael, where a man has to chase himself to save a girl... Uh, but he doesn't realise it's himself and it, it's it's a murder loop. Do you remember it that It was one? a wibbly-wobbly time loop episode. Yes, I do yeah, remember that one. It was in a kind of post-apocalyptic neo-punk Texas, Texas Tokyo situation. So that animation style is yeah. arcane. Oh. Obviously, the, I, I, would, I would hazard a guess, and I haven't had a chance to look this up, but I would hazard a guess that some executive in Netflix went, oh, that's bloody cool. We should probably have a look at that. We could put... the we could put that on League of Legends. Benjamin, they're saying it's the best adaptation of a video game of all time. I would a thousand percent agree. Oh, better even than Sonic the Hedgehog from last year or two years ago. I would say that it would be difficult not to be better than Sonic the Hedgehog from last year or two years ago. But anyway, uh, that's a that's a different issue altogether, Michael. This is just... It, because what it is, is it's it's not really interested in working like the game mechanics in... Or having those magic moment of game mechanics. It's it's much more focused on look telling a decent story about characters that people already love. And it does a it does a wonderful job, Michael. Um it's just very That's good. the good thing that you can do these days, Ben, as plot and storytelling has become more important to video games, that you can adapt it properly. That's the problem with adapting Sonic or Mario or Metroid. Well, Metroid does have kind of a story. But they don't really have a story. Old games didn't really have stories. Like, dig Doug, Ben. What was he doing? He was going down into the soil and he was blowing things up with a hose. Yeah, he was How do you make a two-hour movie out of that? You, you can't, Michael. It's not possible. It's not possible. But nowadays, when everyone's got stories and backgrounds and everything, you can just pick out some of the more fascinating stuff and make a movie of it. So many backgrounds, Michael. So many backgrounds. Everyone's backgrounds. Everyone's got them. Everyone's got them. Um, so it's this beautifully fluid style of animation and it's a joy to watch. Um, the voice acting is Chef's Kiss. Uh, Starring your favourite and mine, Ben, Hayley Steinfeld. Hayley Steinfeld, Michael. This is not her first appearance on the... Or this is not her only appearance on the podcast today, Michael. We'll be talking about young Hayley Steinfeld yet again a little bit later on. Welcome to Sherlock sure Listen, Ireland's leading Hayley Steinfeld fan cast. <laughs> Although you would think if we were Ireland's leading Hayley Steinfeld fan cast, I would get her name right the first time. But apparently not. <laughs> but Michael, it's a very good yes. adaptation. I think you would enjoy it. I think you'd sink your, your bloody pop culture fangs into it. And num, 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 num. Um, Benjamin, I've got so much in my Netflix queue. We've also had a recommendation from a very good friend of the show, Brian Regan, of Brian Regan's Action Figure Reviews. Yes. He's he's hopped up on the Discord, Ben, as we're always encouraging people to do. Because it's where we, and where we get in touch with us, Michael. 
Oh, and it was nine wassies. It was the pair of them. Two people who are long-term telling us what's good people. Dos personas with excellent tastes. And everyone's saying Hellbound is the new thing to check out. What's that, Michael? Hellbound is a new thing from the same people who brought you Train to Busan. So it's a Korean drama which I know almost nothing about. Oh, that's um, the thing with the big venom-looking fuckers that come out of the earth and... I don't know, Benjamin. I know nothing about it other than it's been recommended by two people who tend to recommend good things. Yes. So I'm bloody up to my neck in Hellbound, in Arcane. I have to finish watching Cowboy Bebop. Um, I've, finished, I've forgotten. There's no time for it. Michael, we completely forgot to put Cowboy Bebop in the running order. Well, we talked about it last week, Ben. Obviously, you didn't I listen didn't to listen the episode when you were on holiday. If I'm not honest, I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> you absolute son of a bitch. It's very good. I like it, Ben. <laughs> Cliff notes for the people who haven't listened, for fuck's sake, is it's very good. I like it. I would say the best way to enjoy it is to have never seen or heard of the anime and take it on its own grounds. And then you seem to, I think you will like it more if you do that. Yes, because the anime seems to, the anime fans are, are not happy, Michael. <laughs> that's it. Yes, that's it. And that's one of the problems with adaptations. But Benjamin, it's very rare for me to not know the source material when I see an adaptation of something. That's very true. Because I'm usually I'm usually pretty pretty in there at the ground level. But I anime is to me what the MOBA awards are to you. I just it's a bit of a blind spot. It's I've seen six episodes of Dragon Ball Z, One Punch Man and um Akira and that's it. That's it. That's all we've ever done. That's pretty much it. And an absolute shitload of Transformers, obviously. Obviously. Obviously, Michael. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of Hayley Steinfeld. Oh, very smooth. Yes. Thank you very much. Have you seen episode one and two of the new Disney series? We're going to take David Aya's style and we're not going to pay him nothing. Yeah. A.K.A. Hawkeye. really bad. They've just all lifted his style. Not the series. Sorry, to be very, very clear, the series is... We'll get into that in a second. But the the fact that they've just... Because I was sitting here, Michael... Watching episode two yep. with my good lady friend. Oh, very good at Christmas. And the 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 end credits came on, and she said, "This yes. is fucking amazing. These look so cool." And I was like, "Oh, so slick." That's based on David Aja's comic book um, style that he created for Hawkeye. And she said, "I'd read comic books if they look like this." And I was like, "Yes, it's very interesting." And I think Marvel knows that, which is why they put it in their mm. end credit sequence and not paid him a penny. Apparently, allegedly. allegedly. We'll never know, Ben. We'll never, we'll never know, get man. to the depths of it. We'll never get to the truth of who's telling the truth between this independent contractor who is working for a salary and a massive multi-billion dollar corporation, Disney. We'll never know which one is to be trusted and believed. i tell you what I did find interesting, Michael. In the opening credits to this one, they say a Kevin Feige production. They did say that, they didn't did they? They did say that. And they I, did say that. I sat there going, <laughs> I was there going, that's never been on the screen before. That's never been there before, has it? I said to myself. <laughs> That's never been a... What? What's this? Is he getting a bit... Is Elf El- is Kevin Feig's getting some? Uh, getting a bit of ego? Is that what's going on? I think he's going full Scarface, Michael. He's getting high on his own supply. Oh, very good. Is he going full Lieutenant Kurtzman? Y- yeah, that's a reference <laughs> I get. Yeah. Is that... Is that? Well, it's probably you don't get it, Ben, because it's a little bit wrong. Heart of Darkness. Um, oh, very what's good, his name? Joseph Mar- Mar- Conrad. Marlon... Yes, Marlon Brando. Oh, we're talking about... Oh, sorry, we're talking about Apocalypse Now, Michael. And you're referencing Hearts of Darkness, the famous documentary made about the harrowing making of Apocalypse Now. 
Yeah, yeah. Wasn't Hearts of Darkness the book upon which Apocalypse Now is built? Yes, is based? It's the old Joseph Conrad um, book. Very racist, Joey's, Michael. Joey C, as you call him. Benjamin. Yeah. Let's talk about the show Hawkeye instead yeah, of whatever this is. Um, so, Michael, we've we've had a few uh, different things. Ding dong, things. merrily on high. <laughs> da, 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 da. So we've had a we've had a few uh, different special we names for the We wish you Marvel. a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. If anyone would like to apply for the job of new co-host <laughs> on the Listen podcast, please get in touch with us. Get up on that Discord and send us a, a little voice recording of yourself uh, doing a, a, a hot take on a pop culture yeah. moment. Or a, or a little skit. Now, just to be clear, Ben doesn't have the authority to fire me, so what he's actually doing is resigning. <laughs> Either just way. In case, any, just uh, in case that wasn't clear. Anything to let it be over. Uh, anything to let it be over. <laughs> But oh, uh, anyway, um, we've had a few different names. Oh, Tannenbaum, oh, Tannenbaum, how beautiful are your branches? It's Christmas time up in the Schomerbjörg, Ben. I fucking hate Christmas. Um, <laughs> so, we've Go had on. a few Go different I'll stop interrupting. Um, yeah. Michael, as we went through uh, the Marvel TV series, for WandaVision we called it The Audacity. Yes. For Captain America and the Winter Soldier, we called it the timidity. The timidity. The timidity of that program. For Loki, for Loki uh, we called it the fuckery. Yes. And Michael, I propose that for this particular new series, we call it the festivity. Oh, very good. This new segment, welcome to Marvel's The Festivity. The festivity, Michael. Michael, this is so joyous. It's very Christmas, isn't it? It's very Christmas. But it's okay. It's very Christmas. I find it's myself okay. watching it's Christmas. It saying, this is quite nice. Benjamin, yes. my good lady friend is obsessed with the films Home Alone and Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Yes. And we've been to New York several times. Congratulations. And thank you very much. We are quite middle class. <laughs> and what we did when we went to New York both times was we basically experienced Christmas. And... We watched these first two episodes and I don't even know what people were saying because the whole thing, the whole two hours was me and my good lady friend going, we were there, we were there, we saw that. So I don't know what really happened. I know that they were in some locations, though, some famous locations from Home Alone 2. They were. They were indeed, Michael. Quite a few. <laughs> Quite a few. The tone of this is incredibly um, Home Alone. From it's quite Home Alone, Ben. It's quite Buddy Cop. It's quite, it's quite 90s Buddy Cop film at Christmas. I, I genuinely feel, Michael, that had this tone been in Captain America and the Winter Soldier or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, whichever way you want to refer to it, I would have enjoyed that show an awful lot more. Yes, Ben, it didn't really have a tone, did it? I, I, I believe that's why we branded it the timidity, Michael. Very good. Benjamin. Yes. One of the most enjoyable things for this about this for me was, and this is weird for me to say this. Go on. But it was Hawkeye. I think I like Jeremy Renner now. I'm not sure I do, because he's still very strange he's a man. Strange man. He's a very strange man. I he's the only one of these who I cannot watch the interviews. And I'm a big Haley Steinfeld fan. I've got all the time in the world for Haley Steinfeld. Oh, yeah. But I just I cannot listen to Jeremy Renner in an interview. He is the world's most accidental celebrity, and more so than any of the other Marvel stars. He would love to be a bigger star. Yeah, he is a bit. Yeah. Um, he's a bit much but putting aside Jeremy Renner 
Hawkeye in this is great. He's because so good. They, it's, it felt like they were going to position him as a curmudgeonly old grump. And, you know, he was going to be mean to Kate Bishop and he was going to be like dismissive and fed up to be there. But he really isn't. He's not that at all, Michael. He's a man with a code. He's got a code. He's Well, he, he kind of dropped the code there for a couple of years and that's what leads to a lot of these problems. That's but what I mean. <laughs> he, he helps her without any hesitation. Yeah. He's not condescending to her or mean or dismissive. No. He's, he's just, if anything, he's a bit direct. And does she say to him, does she give him the whole thing about your whole thing is being a stealthy, sneaky man and now you're famous? It's branding, yeah. Yeah, and that's a great point. It's it's a really good point. She, the chemistry between Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld in this, Michael, is such a joy. It's so good. It's quite good. It's quite good, <laughs> it's, yeah. I, quite, I enjoyed it. It's not anything I expected. I really expected to watch this mm. and say to myself, they're going to shoehorn this in before Christmas, give themselves a bloody Christmas watch bump. Mm. And that'll be that. But this is very good. I enjoyed it, Ben. It, it, it has highs and lows, though. Let's okay, be honest. Okay, go, on get, go um, on, get in there now. Let's dig in. Spoilers for episode one the, and two of Hawkeye. Spoilers for episode one and two, Ben. The the action scene whereupon she gets the Ronan suit. Silly. From the... from the, Yeah, very network television. Yes, very, very CW. Um, very CW, very... Um, make use of extra sound effects and... And snap cuts and stuff to hide the quite poor action. <laughs> sure. The action so far hasn't been great. Not ideal, Michael. No, and a lot of it takes place off screen. So she has a bit of trouble fighting the tracksuit mafia and then Hawkeye comes and beats them up. But we don't get to see that. We, we get to hear a few Hawkeye grunts. Yeah, we hear grunts, but I thought it was a girl at first. I thought that scene was Echo being introduced. Well... It's not. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that might have been what we were getting as well, Michael. Um, but it, it it definitely isn't what we got. I, I will say that the action is a bit weak. I cannot stand. Yes. Um, Vera Farmiga's character, the mum. Why, I, Ben? She's I, one of your favourites. I don't know. It's really weird. But I think I'm not supposed to like her. I think she's supposed to be a dismissive kind of less than fantastic mother well ben are we doing any speculation in the in the new segment the festivitas um yeah i mean we may as well michael we, we, we okay yeah well then here comes some speculation okay apropos of nothing ben go on so this isn't spoilers some hawkeye hot but takes. it could ruin it could ruin it for you yeah i think ben it's pretty obvious to me in this show that her dad kate bishop's dad Yes. Has faked his death for the insurance money. Very good. And her mother is in on it. Oh. And therefore she knows that she's running a scam. Ah. So that's that's where I think she will be revealed to be kind of a baddie, but not really the big bad. Michael, I, I think the greatest red herring in television history, should that be the case, has been planted in the dress that Vera Farmiga wears to that charity auction. Because, my God, I have never Go seen an item of clothing that screamed, I'm a supervillain, wink. I'm the more. big baddie. <laughs> was, I am the big baddie, look out for me. It was like the dress from Suspiria, the remake of Suspiria that Tilda Swinton wears. It's just a big red cult dress. It's 
Watch out for me. I'm the big baddie. Um, I'm going to do a virgin sacrifice. So there, there are quite a few things here, Michael, that have been lined up for us. Um, I think it's very clear that Jack, um, the new fiance, is the swordsman. There's, there's, well, he's the swordsman, Ben. Yeah, he's the character from the comic books, the swordsman. Why don't you very quickly tell us who he is? Uh, so depending on what version you read, Michael, uh, the swordsman is uh, Jack, Jacques, I can't remember his second name. Um, Duquesne. Duquesne, thank you very much. Uh, Jacques Duquesne. And he, at, initially, he's just very good with a sword and he decides to be a bit of a swashbuckler, Michael. Um, yeah, he's doing chippy choppies on people. Yeah, and he ends up going down the villainy route as opposed to the, the hero route. Um, and he's just very good with a sword, Michael. And he's a bit of a pain in the arse of the Avengers every once in a while. Mm. He was Hawkeye's sword trainer. I don't think we're going to go down that route, Ben, because I think Jeremy Renner might be older than him. Yeah, so I, I think that's the other thing. In, in different versions, Michael, he either trained Hawkeye as a swordsman or they were mm-hmm. competing in the same... Um, they were trained by the same master and competed in different disciplines. Um, yes. So it depends on which version you read. I think we still might get recognition from Jeremy Renner. I think Jeremy Renner might go... Why is why is Jack here? Um, yeah, I I knew him from my time in the Cirquois. Yeah, in the Cirquois or in some kind of red room facility for Shield or something like that. Um, he's a, mm. he's a failed recruit of Shield or something like that. Um, I I'm not certain we won't get that, but he's great because he's always been a great foil for um. A very good little fencing joke for you there. He's been a great EP. Um. <laughs> Yes. So I think we're probably going to see uh, he's he's always a great kind of counter to Hawkeye because they both use the old medieval weapons, Michael, and it's just it's fun to see them at it. Um, I did think the way they've built him into kind of a snide villain is good. He's he's a little bit mm. too cartoonish. He's occasionally yes. I'm like he's got a very humorous mustache. He does, but also the way he eats a butterscotch, Michael, very over the top. Yes. Would you like one of these villainous butterscotches? Would you? It's like a bloody, not for Ferrero Rocher, the other one's a Werther's original. Yes, but it's an Armand original in this particular case. Mm. Uh, one of the things I really like, Michael, is how they reveal that he's actually an excellent swordsman. Um, yes, I like that scene. Uh, that whole scene is very good because Haley Steinfeld is very frustrated. She's like, And what I like about it is she's very good, so she knows that he's faking. Like, mm. she can tell that someone is holding back and she's just like you're oh you're some prick i'm I'm gonna get you and it's very good yeah 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 benjamin once i was in a jujitsu school yes and the guys the guys there didn't know that i was good at jujitsu oh very good and i did a submission on one of the men i tapped him out oh you got him i got him ben and then after that he let me tap him out four or five times. So there is four to imply that the first time he had also let me. Uh-huh. But if you know what you're doing, Ben, you can tell. You can tell, you know, you got the sus. You can tell. You, you can tell sus. what's a real one and what's a fake one. So that scene was great. That scene was fantastic. Nick Leonard is taking the smuggest sip of tea you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do some AMSR tea sipping. Smuggy, smuggy, smug, smug. I'm just gonna have my smug of tea, Ben. This is this is this is literally our ASMR channel. Smug, 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 smug. Benjamin, <laughs> I think we could get a. I think we could get a mug up on our on our our merch shop that <laughs> says smug of, <laughs> "smug of tea," "smug of tea." 
<laughs> me being smug on the back. I of will it. literally make that for the sake of this mm. podcast. Smug of very me. good. Um, we'll we'll sell it. Yep, yeah, I'll do that. That's that's grand. I'll make that. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking though of Haley Seinfeld's abilities, let's let's talk very quickly about changes from the comics because that's a huge one. What what one is that now? Sorry. In the comics, Ben, mm-hmm. Hawkeye is kind of bumbling and he gets by on a bit of luck and a bit of bluster yeah. and a bit of charisma. And Kate Bishop is, in many ways, his his uh, his superior in terms of skills and abilities. Yes. But that is not the case in this. It can't be because of the cinematic history, I guess. Yeah. I, I kind of like it, though. I kind of like that they haven't introduced a 21-year-old character who was 12 when he was already fighting aliens. Yeah. And she isn't his better in every way from the get-go. I mean, one of the things I think that's really leaned into heavily here is his time as Ronan. Um because that's mm. it's it's a very much an oh look the consequences of my action style thing that that I also love I love how they're introduced and why Hawkeye is involved in her life I thought that was brilliant he's like oh it's not because like I'm gonna take you under my wing or anything you're wearing a suit that puts a target on your back you're literally an mm. innocent person who's been thrust into the <laughs> kind of into the consequences of my terrible terrible life choices so I'm even though you can do a flip. I'm morally obligated to sort this out. Um, and I quite like that. But one of the things, Michael, that he would have done in those five years, Hawkeye was just to kill a machine for five years. Just stabbing anyone. Anybody and everybody, Michael. Didn't even use mostly, a bow. No, didn't even use a bow. Mostly, Ben, that we saw on screen, mostly Asians. But, you know, at this past, past podcast, we're against Asian hate. According to a, a camp secret underground New York auctioneer, it wiped out most of New York's crime as well. Yeah, yeah. He just went on a bit of an out rampage. Of course, it would be easier with half of them being gone. Yeah, I suppose it's already reduced and your organization would possibly be in shambles due to 50% yeah, of the logistics vanishing. Got some lunatic with a mohawk afro, mullet afro thing showing up and killing everyone. A malafro, I think you'll find. Yes, that's what he called it. Benjamin. Yes. I think it's a very good introduction. Of all of the kind of new characters who've been introduced, the kind of hopeful, I suppose, Wave, wave 5 or Young Avengers, mm-hmm. I think this is the best one. It's, they've introduced her as learning and getting to know things instead of immediately the best at everything. I, I think they do. A, I th- go, go ahead. No, no, go on. That's pretty much what I was saying. I, I think they do a wonderful job of showing that skill without experience isn't worth much. Do you know what I mean? Because she is very, mm. technically very competent. Um, She's got some abilities. She wins lots of competitions, Michael. Mm. Um, but then obviously when you've got, you know, nine or ten lads in tracksuits that want to firebomb your apartment, those skills might not come in so handy. Benjamin, I'm still very upset that Kevin Feige didn't contact me to play one of those tracksuit men. Oh, Michael, if ever there was a cosplay that you're going to have to do this year. Every single one of them just looks like me, Benjamin. I've already ordered an Adidas tracksuit. I had to check the IMDb page when I saw the interrogation scene of Hawkeye tied to the chair because I thought you were the main guy. I was like, that's Mick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the thing is, Ben, I think you know me well enough to know that if I was in it, I wouldn't have kept it secret. <laughs> That's true, Michael. That's true. Unless Kevin Feige swore you to secrecy. I'd just have a sip from my smug of tea. <laughs> I'm definitely going to make that when I come home. I am definitely making smug of tea. Benjamin! 
There are other changes from the comic book for better or for worse. I thought Pizza Dog was introduced less well. Uh, oh, poor old Lucky. Yeah, because we don't get to see what makes him lucky. I, I know it would have been a pretty traumatic thing to have a dog hit by a car on, on screen mm-hmm. and be shot. But I think that's what formed that bond and made him so strong, as opposed to just a dog who showed up and wants to help. He's kind of like a magical dog. Yeah, there's some. There's a certain kind of like, how does he know all of yeah, this? Why, why does he know that the Russian man isn't supposed now, to be ben, there? Maybe we'll have a backstory where he we find out how he lost his eye and why he knew the watch was important and why he's hanging around. I think we might. But yeah, but there's there's less of a and they've made him Kate's dog rather than Clint's dog. It's not Clint's dog at all, which I don't. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's what it of, really matter, mm. but. I don't know if it really matters, but it certainly makes him a weaker character. Yeah. And if you remember, in the comic, he very much is a character. Oh, he's there are key. two issues of the comic from his perspective. Yeah, he's essential because he's a redeeming feature for Hawkeye as well. Hawkeye's really almost given up at the start of My Life as a Weapon. Um, yeah. And the dog is kind of a redeeming thing of, oh, all right, I'll keep going. Benjamin. Yes. I loved the explanation for why he was slightly deaf. Yeah, the, the little montage of just yeah, <laughs> obviously. Why 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 do you wear a hearing aid? Hard to tell. <laughs> like as a man explosion. rapidly approaching, yeah, <laughs> window smashing explosions, doing a kick and a flip, fighting aliens, brilliant. Comedically, about it's time very was, strong. But about time also that someone who has lived a decade and a half of fighting intergalactic threats as a normal human, yeah. Um, Showed some repercussion. Yeah. I mean, Tony Stark had it as well. Remember, Tony Stark was always rubbing his left arm and going, oh, my arm's very sore. He also so it's PTSD. good to see that he had PTSD <laughs> as well. So I like that. I like, and, and so does Hawkeye to an extent in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Benjamin. Yes. My absolute favorite moment of the whole thing, though, was how mildly annoyed that Hawkeye was that Ant-Man was in the Avengers musical. Yeah, he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. That was brilliant. What a great musical. Um, that that opening number, I could do this all day. Very catchy, Michael. Be- Very catchy. catchy. Very catchy altogether. But yeah, the first two episodes are very good, Michael. We were just introduced there to Echo at the end. Um, another hearing impaired uh, villain in, seems to be introduced as a villain. Seems to be being introduced in this as a villain. Yeah, but is she not a hero? And we'll, we'll find out, won't we, Benjamin? Just have to hold and see. Benjamin. Yes. That is twice in as many weeks. It, it also happens in Eternals, which I still don't know if you've seen. I have you? No. No. So in Eternals, Makari is the deaf character. Yes. And in, in Echo, in, in Hawkeye, Echo is the deaf character. And they both have the ability to sense vibrations so they can know what people are talking and understand what they're saying. Mm. And Ben, that's that's called listening. That's called hearing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's on a lesser form, Michael, is it not? But sure, look, Benjamin, that's enough Hawkeye talk. Talkeye. <laughs> that's enough Hawk talk, Ben. That's enough. We should call this section Guy talk. No, Guy's not his real name. Um, Benjamin. Yes. I'll tell you what, it's mad living in this pandemic, isn't it? Oh, uh, do you know what, Michael? I've had enough of it. I've had Very enough good. of it myself. Is there anything we could do to maybe resolve it? Perhaps involving a time travel? Yeah, so basically, Michael, what we could do is, I would imagine, round up those anti-social among us in society 
Yeah. Um, put them in the equivalent of a thousand tiny lobster crates. Right. And then conscript them, Michael, through a kind of Orwellian babble talk of volunteering. Yes. Into going up onto, uh, going into COVID-infected areas, Michael, and gathering information. And then, Michael. Right. Yeah. Then, perhaps doing a series of rigorous psychological testing to discover whether or not someone has the the cojones, the metal. Yes. Uh, yeah. To survive an experimental time travel process, in which case we would send them back, Michael. In time. In time. Yeah. To find a pure version of the coronavirus. Probably in right. Wuhan, Michael. Probably in Wuhan, yeah, in the lab. Yeah. And hopefully, Michael... If Joe Rogan is right. If Joe Rogan is right, because, you know, Joe Rogan being the the lord of knowledge that he is, um, wouldn't steer us wrong. But, Michael, e- what we... Go on. Eminent virologist Joe Rogan. Yeah. What we'd really have to do, Michael, is to, to really sell this... Um, we'd probably have to get a, a cultural icon of the time. So if we got Conor McGregor and shaved his head um, <laughs> and took him off his meds for a while, we could probably do that. Oh, very good. But what we'd have to be very careful of, Michael, is yes. that we gave our uh, time traveller enough context so that he didn't go back in time and start targeting the coronavirus beer company, uh, but did in mm. fact spend his efforts doing the proper thing and actually finding out where the virus came from. Very good, Benjamin. I would like to point out that I think your 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 plan, your plot, as it were, has a number of holes in it. I think you'd call them plot holes. But not only that, Ben. Not only that, but also it's shockingly close to the 1995 film, 1996 film, 1995, 1995, a film by Terry Gillingham, Twelve Monkeys. Yes, Terry Gillian's uh, sci-fi classic, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, half a dozen simians. Half was a the dozen pred- simians. No, a dozen. Half a dozen. <laughs> That's six, you dumbass. A dozen simians. A baker's dozen simians. Um, oh, that's 13 monkeys. That's 13 monkeys. Um, oh, no good, Michael. Anyway, Michael, we're starting our brand new series today, Exhumed. Um, we're mm. just going to take a look at all the, the kind of the big films of the past, Michael, that probably should have had a bit more of a cultural impact than they did. But maybe they did or maybe they didn't. Maybe they did or maybe they didn't, Michael. So to do that, we're going to kick it off with 12 monkeys, Michael, which which should be pretty big. Like Benjamin. Yes. I, before this viewing of 12 monkeys, I watched the film 12 monkeys, a film by Terry Gillingham um, yesterday, Ian. Yes. And before that, I had seen 12 monkeys, the film by Terry Gillingham, exactly one time. That's probably one too many. And I saw it, Ben. I think on video, so probably in 1996 or 1997. Oh. And that's it. I've only seen it once. And when I saw it, I didn't enjoy it because it was a combination of weird and too slow. And when I watched it last night, Ben, you know what I felt? What? I felt this is weird and a bit too slow. <laughs> Michael, I thought I had seen 12 Monkeys fully before. Um, mm. And having watched it properly for this podcast, I went, oh, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen I've, it. I've, I've never seen this film in its entirety. Um, Michael, this is a weird film, isn't it? It's very strange. Now, Benjamin. Yes. First of all, it's very, in part, in parts, it's very Terry Gillingham. Very Terry Gillian, yes. Have you ever seen the film The, the Boys, from, Boys from Brazil? 
the the lads from Brazil. Yeah, that's not what it's called, Ben. It's called the boys from the black stuff. No, Benjamin, it's not. It's called Brazil. The film Brazil. Terry Gillingham's Brazil. Have yes. you ever seen it or watched it? I haven't. It's very unpleasant. This is why. What happens it, in it, Michael? It's a Tell tough, me more. It's a tough old watch. No, we don't need to get into Brazil too much. But the the opening of this, mm-hmm. the opening scene of this of the people living in the lobster cages in the post-apocalyptic world, deep underground, being interrogated by a big circle thing made of televisions and having a panel of evil doctor scientist people wearing spooky gloves and spooky costumes. That's all very Terry Gillingham. It's all very early Warhammer. It's all very British 90s post-apocalyptic fiction. 2000 AD, so to speak. There's a lot of 2000 AD in it. There's a lot of Warhammer 40,000 in it. The whole concept of prisoners being sent as volunteers, Ben. The whole whole gross body condom scene. What was that? That, Where did that come from? He couldn't get the virus, Ben, so he had to have a condom on his whole body. Remember, Ben, 1995-1996 was the height of the AIDS epidemic. Oh, there's a little bit of cultural commentary, isn't there, Michael? And Ben, when the AIDS epidemic was going on, of course, the AIDS virus, Ben, or the HIV virus, I don't know which one's the virus. Yeah, the HIV virus isn't isn't airborne. Not at all, Michael. Not at all, not not at at all, all, Ben, no matter what people thought in the gay panic in the early 90s. So condoms were the way to protect yourself from viruses in the 90s. Yes, Benj- Benjamin. I was a young, a young boy in the early nineties, and a I used to book, be so to a young. No, not even a book yet. Still a boy, oh, okay. uh, a young master. I was, and okay. nothing terrified me. In the early nineties, Ben, more than AIDS. Other generations, oh. other generations grew up afraid of nuclear war. They grew up afraid of um, the proliferation of of nuclear weapons. They grew up afraid of the communists coming to get them. My generation, then, the early millennials, we grew up terrified of AIDS. And I tell you what, oh, AIDS was going to end the world, Ben, in the early 90s. It was the the scariest thing going. There used to be ads on the radio, Ben, saying always wear a condom. And when I was old enough to start realising that I wasn't wearing a condom, I was shitting bricks. (laughs) Now, I was, Ben, I was a nine-year-old in the car, but the radio ad said always wear a condom and I realised I wasn't and I was fucking scared shitless. So a lot of that whole body condom thing is and a lot of 12 Monkeys is reaction to the fear of viruses. A lot of the fear of viruses comes from comes from the old AIDS. That makes a lot of sense now. Mm. You filled in that blank. Thank mm, you very, very much. Unpleasant. Thank you very much. Um, it's interesting that you say that because in in terms of reactionary things, Michael, this is based on a, a French short film. Yes, I've seen it. Uh, called Le Jet. Yes. Um, and Le Jet is one of the weirdest things I've ever watched. Calling it a film is um, a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch, Michael. It's a photo essay. Yeah. Um, with with narration. It's, it's a bit like what our friend the Volgan might do. <laughs> um for an SCP documentation oh or, very, very uh, good it's, it's it's a little bit like that so you you watch a series of it now, don't get me wrong those those photographs Michael are beautifully shot and there's quite a bit of production design in those photographs and you would know um, Ben and I, I would know Michael I'm a fan of the elf photography mm. 
Um, but but come here to me, come here to me. It's it's a bloody weird film, Michael. In Le Jet, uh, it was brought out in 1962, um, and in much the same way that Twelve Monkeys reacts to the AIDS epidemic, um, Le Jet reacts to the fear of the Cold War mm. and nuclear fallout, yeah. World War Three, um, Michael. Um, and it follows the premise very, very similarly, as opposed to an airport, Michael, where um, a young Bruce Willis, uh, and spoilers for a movie that came out in 1995 here, mm. ladies and gentlemen, where a young Bruce Willis watches his older self get shot. Um, a scene which would be kind of played out in reverse in Looper many, many years later, Michael. Yeah, where an older Bruce Willis shows up yeah. and shoots himself or something. <laughs> or something like Some that. Some bullshit I like that. I can't remember yeah. Looper. Very strange film. Um but yeah, instead of that, uh, we saw a young uh, Frenchman watch uh, himself get shot on a jetty, mm. on a pier, le jeté, ah, I see, so to speak. Um, and it's very, very similar. He is sent back in time to find the origin of the nuclear crisis mm. and try and sort that out. Weird film. Yeah, film is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, uh, weird photo essay. Yeah, it, um, you don't see but, a lot of it these days. It's it. it it would almost find a home these days on YouTube. And it would probably become a viral hit. Yeah, yeah. Book, I'd say if it did. I could see it um, I could see it coming out on Daily Motion in the early two thousands. Oh yeah, do you remember Daily Motion? Oh great, oh, yeah, yeah. Great for stuff that couldn't get on YouTube. Ben. Yeah. Yes. There are differences though. And the the differences are I would say that the plot of Twelve Monkeys isn't really okay the inspiration comes from legit and the whole going back and seeing your own death or going back time traveling backwards and being killed and having witnessed that as a child and that really informing your entire life but that's not your own loop so to speak in so to speak but that's not really the plot of 12 monkeys the plot of 12 monkeys is where's the bleeding virus (laughs) where's the bleeding virus where's the bleeding virus let's try and stop the virus You're ninja from Love High. Where's the bleeding virus? Where yeah? is it, yeah? Have you got the bleeding virus, yeah? You fucking better not release it, right? <laughs> right? If I find out that you're releasing viruses, I swear to God. I swear. Have you ever uh, seen me in that other thing where I play your man who's a detective and I show up in your one's house, but I'm also still ninja, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Benjamin! Uh, yeah. And I tell you what, um... There's a lot of Bruce Willis's arse in this. Isn't there? Them cheeks are on display, Michael. Was, Them cheeks are on display. I was looking at this going, there's a lot of Bruce Willis's arse in this. Benjamin, in this, Bruce Willis, when Bruce Willis filmed this, he was exactly the age I am today. Get out of town. Yes, so in a weird time loopy feeling for me, I saw this when I was the age of about 10 or 12 and then I saw it again as an adult but the same age that Bruce Willis is in it and remember seeing it and thinking look at this old man and then I watched it again as someone exactly that age remembering seeing it as a 10 year old and was like look at that virile specimen I'm of masculinity fucking stuck in my own time loop so this whole thing got very meta on me I like that. Um, so Michael, it has one of the big stars of the nineties and the eighties. Um, it's uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is our main character. He's uh, Jim Cole. Yeah. Uh, in this particular thing, and uh, he's the the volunteer quotation marks, yeah. um, who is sent back to do this because he has a mentally strong mind, Michael. And one of the things I actually quite like about it is, 
And one of the things that I, I think is articulated quite well is, is he just mental? Maybe he's just mental. But I thought that was a bit lacking because I don't think at any stage did we as the viewer think, yes, he was just a bit mental. Yeah, I suppose it's all about doubting him. Yeah. Um, and I, from, from from the character's point of view, not from, from ours. Yes, and perhaps if they'd done a Kevin Spacey in K-Pax and introduced us to him without showing us his origin first, there might have been a bit more doubt. But they very much but, didn't. Yeah, but there wasn't, so to speak. Yeah, there's very little <laughs> doubt. There was no doubt in my mind watching this. The only doubt I had was, oh God, I hope this whole thing isn't going to be set in this mental asylum. Yeah, because that's it's never a fun one, is it? Where you're just like, oh, it's, it, <laughs> okay. The mental asylum it was in his mind all along. The mental asylum part goes on so long, Ben, that I was thinking we missed a trick by not including it on one of our famous mental asylum episodes. We might have, but then <laughs> we very well might have. But then he gets out of the mental asylum in a very kind of anticlimactic way, and the film is only mm. about a third of the way in. And you're like, oh my god, is there more of this? Uh, that was one of the most frustrating things for me um, and shame on Terry Gilliam who was like oh how's he going to get out of this one oh, don't get me the, the time travel council is going to pull him back time travel it's time travel he's going to time travel his way out it's um, hated it did you like this film Ben? no I, no I didn't I didn't particularly like it either I didn't like it on first viewing and I didn't massively like it on, on second viewing either uh, now you see this is the this is the thing for me Michael I Originally, when I approached this concept as a little mini-series for us, Exhumed, yes. um, I assumed that there would be something of merit in the film and there would be it would be unusual as to why it hasn't been a big cultural thing or why it hasn't been a big deal. But now I get it. I'm like, oh, okay, it's just not very good. <laughs> um, it's just not, it, uh, you know, it's not mad gripping, is it? No, but it should be because Terry Gilliam's a pretty big director in terms of high concept sci-fi. Yeah, you know Bruce Willis is huge. Brad Pitt's in there as a young fella. Yeah, you know he's in there as well. And I thought it'd be much bigger than it was, and it wasn't. <laughs> hmm. It wasn't that enjoyable a film. It's got an interesting concept, you know, time traveling and stuff like that. It definitely influenced Richard Linklater, who would go on to make Looper. And um, I, you, you cannot convince me now, having watched this film that Looper wasn't heavily inspired by it in some form, so much so that he went out and got Bruce Willis. Yeah, I wonder if I could get Bruce Willis and do uh, 12 Monkeys again, but the other way. Yeah, but the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I do think it has some really important um, cultural touch points, or it, not cultural touch points, but it has some really important um, impacts on the careers of the people involved. Go on. Um, I think we would never have gotten Fight Club if Brad Pitt hadn't played that character. Yes, Proto Tyler um, Durden. In 12 Monkeys. I Yeah, he is Proto Tyler Durden in every sense. And I think if we hadn't gotten Brad Pitt in that, Brad Pitt might have stayed typecast. I don't know if this is the thing that broke the mould for old Brad. What was he doing before that? Romantic leads? Um, he was doing a lot of romantic leads. Uh, he did meet Joe Black, which is the horrific thing where he plays a sexy grim. Oh, leader. that's no use at all. Um yeah um he did that one he did he was in Telma and louise um the mexican came later but yeah he was he was largely he was in, pretty he was boy. in that one where he was in the ira 
Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's no. Oh, it's going to be on an episode of Exhumed. It's no use. It might be a bit on the nose. It to, was no use to write Exhumed about any kind of it IRA was, episode. Brad Pitt's in the IRA was what it was called. I think maybe it was Beat Joe oh. Black. Um, yeah, <laughs> he. It's a weird performance from Brad Pitt. You wouldn't get away with it today. You no. couldn't. You couldn't no. play someone with mental health issues so broadly and so comically these days and people very very comically but not in a funny sense he's just over egging every pudding and you couldn't do that these days because you'd be you'd be you'd be hassled out of Hollywood you'd be yeah for sure you'd be had up for uh, for sure yeah yeah people people wouldn't like it the devil's own is the one where he's in the IRA oh I, I'm all right. I never have to see that film. I'm okay. He does an Irish um, accent, Ben. Oh, I can't imagine that's much use. It's not. I've heard his. I've heard his uh, member of the traveling community accent in Snatch. Yeah, so not I, great I either. I've had my. Not I've great. I've had my fill of Celtic appropriation from one Brad Bradley Pitt. Benjamin, I think yeah. I think what put a lot of people off about this mm-hmm. was the twist, as it were. There are a couple of twists in this. Go on. Some of them make sense and some of them don't make sense. But one of the biggest twists, maybe the biggest twist, is that in the end it turns out to be nothing to do with Brad Pitt and the Twelve Monkeys. Yes, it's a red herring, Michael. It's The red herring is the name of the film. Yes, because we are led to believe by the title of the film, Twelve Monkeys, this is the origin story for a group of eco-terrorists, Michael. Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. But is it? Yeah. No. No, it ain't at all. And I think no, it isn't. I think it put a lot of people off that the twelve monkeys turned out to be a red herring, and that major character and up and coming big name Brad Pitt turned out to be pretty much nothing to do with it as well. Nothing to do with it, Michael. Nothing to do with it at all. And so that's one twist. Mm-hmm. The second big twist of the whole thing, and this is the twist that I did like about it. Oh. Was was that it's a it's a closed loop not only in Bruce Willis seeing himself die, but also the very act of sending Bruce Willis back in time to try and avert it is what causes it. Yeah, or or so he thinks. So he okay. thinks. I think that I think the guy with the briefcase would have done it anyway. Yes, well that's the thing. So the kind of clever plot twist of that it's Brad Pitt has created not Brad Pitt Bruce Willis has created this cycle but the whole thing turns out to be borderline irrelevant basically they send him back in time he meets Madeline Stowe is is it Madeline Stowe? Uh, no it's Ray Raylan yeah no uh, Dr. Ra- Dr. Oh, Ryan sorry. but the actress do you mean the, the actress? Yeah. I don't know that actress at all she looks I... a bit like Kelly Brook but her career didn't go much further after that I, I think she might have been done with 12 monkeys <laughs> but the whole thing of him going back in time and accidentally leaving all the hints for himself and believing mm. that he had created the 12 monkeys and believing that he had planted the idea in Brad Pitt's head and thinking the yeah. whole thing was a closed loop that was all quite interesting but then it turns out oh no but it wasn't though it's just some other bloke who would have done it anyway I think I think Terry Gilliam must have been giving himself the heaviest pat on the back for that. He's like, oh, I've fooled those silly American audiences. No, 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 no. I don't just think like, Terry Gilliam wrote this. Uh, oh, did he not? No, okay. no, no. It's one of the few that Terry Gilliam didn't write. It was, Can I still make fun of him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lay into Terry oh, Gilliam as much as you want. 
But um, he's just been cancelled, I believe. Has he? What's he been cancelled for? Making the film Twelve um, Monkeys. I think he was making some criticism on the Me Too movement. I need to look it up. Oh. Um. Yeah. So he's been cancelled. So it's grand. We don't have to worry about Terry anymore. No. Oh, yeah. Um. Many many Guardian writers are saying bring back Terry Gilliam because they're all in their fifties now and they all remember Terry Gilliam being cool once upon a time. Right. So they don't want that to happen. It's a very mm. interesting cultural moment, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, go on. Um. It's a very interesting film. Like, I think at the core of it, there's an interesting idea there. I think, like you said, if Terry Gillian had picked uh, Elaine and maybe had stuck with the notion that Bruce Willis is inevitably careening towards the outcome that he himself created, we might have had a more interesting film, Michael. Maybe. I don't know if audiences, like you said, felt cheated that in the end it's just some mad ginger fellow with a death wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was no use. What, what's he from, Ben? He's always the baddie. I don't know. I, I didn't recognise him either. Do you not recognise him? He's always the baddie in things. Is he? Yeah, he's always doing the baddie. I forget his name. Hold on, I'm going to look his name. going to look his name up while uh, while you uh, spin your wheels there. While I spin my wheels. Yeah. One of my favourite things about him as a villain is he's very clearly a villain. Um, no one should trust that man. Right from um, the start. And it, it's, it's very clear from the conversation he has with the doctor at her book signing, from the conversation he has with the man who runs the research lab. He's not a good person. No, he's a bad bloke, <laughs> Benjamin. He's always the baddie and everything. His name's David Morse. He was in The Green Mile. He was in The Rock. He was oh, in yeah. Disturbia. He's always he the, the baddie. Bad guy and everything. He's always the baddie. You just see his face and go, oh, there's a baddie. Or he might be a slightly edgy goody who gets killed but he's usually the baddie that, that's one of the plot points though the, the woman who's met him only once the doctor who's met him only once recognises him as, she's like oh that guy has a sinister looking face where oh, do I know him from I and then remember. she picks up the newspaper and this she goes oh creepy man this big creepy <laughs> creep Benjamin yeah you have said to me that this one. show this film hasn't really left much of a pop culture legacy it's kind of um it's fainted a bit into obscurity. Yes. Upon saying that, have you watched any of the four episode series, 12 Monkeys, on Amazon Prime? Oh, is it good? Uh, I've only seen the pilot. Um, I didn't have okay. the, the wherewithal. The The major thing about it is, one of the things I really liked about the, the movie is mm-hmm. the the plot to send him back takes some effort to avoid paradox and causality. So they want to send him back not to stop it from happening because it's too late. It's already happened. Yes. But instead to gather information so they can start to fight back in the future. Yes. And I really like that time travel plot. I think a lot of films would benefit from that being the time travel plot. Um, So we can we we need a solution for, for our present. Yes. Don't you go fucking around with the past. Or, you know, it's not even... At no stage do they tell him don't go fucking around with the past because he can kill anyone he wants because everyone's already dead anyway. So they're assuming, you know, he's already dead. Everyone's already dead. You're already dead. It doesn't matter if I kill you. Um, So I kind of like that. I kind of like that concept of he's back on a fact-finding mission so that they can learn about the virus so that they can cure it in the future not to try mm. and erase the future not so he's going to Marty McFly out of existence and his hand's going to disappear now having said that um, I have not seen enough of the series 
to criticise it on this point. But I will say, in the early days, in the early going at least, it seems that the series... And the series mm-hmm. is weird because some bits of it they create, recreate like scene for scene and some bits of it they, they're making up obviously because it has to be a series. But the point is to go back and stop it. Okay. Oh, and okay. So the question becomes if you stop it how will we know you've stopped it? And he's like because I'll disappear. And then everyone's like but that's a paradox. So I'm like hmm. <laughs> It is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It is a paradox. So one of the things I like about the film is that they avoid that whole paradox thing by saying, by not trying to change it. And there's some great moments. The moment where we find out that she recorded the message as a kind of joke and that message ended up being the whole reason that he went back to 1996. Mum, 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 chef's kiss. Nom, nom, nom. Delicious. But then there are some there are some weird moments that don't make sense. Like he records the phone message yeah. to the future, telling yeah. them to ignore that message. So they yeah. send someone back to meet him. but To kill the guy. But in the future, Ben, surely they would have had both of those pieces of information anyway. They've only, yeah, but your man tries to explain that away. What's his name? Jose, um, I think. Jose, yeah. And he tries to explain it. They've only listened to it now. They've only listened to it now. And but what does like, now mean? They could listen. Time. Yeah, that's not how time works. It's, and it fall, that moment falls into one of my least favourite things about um, about time travel plots. Where you, for the sake of narrative, you have the past story happening and you have the present story happening. And they're running parallel in direct parallel. In direct yeah, parallel. Like on top of each exactly. Other. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. I think um no. I think and the problem is the rest of it just deftly avoids that. But that one moment doesn't. To amp up tension. Exactly. With the yeah, with the gun and the it, it it's almost like it's almost like the last fifteen minutes have different time travel rules from the whole rest of the film. Mm. One of the most jarring things for me is the the overly French style that gets leaned into towards oh, the, the Dutch end. angles, <laughs> the Dutch angles and the the slow motion and the, the huge human emotion on the faces. All of a sudden, you're just like, "What is this?" Well, the, <laughs> what's happened the, in the airport? The start is nothing but Dutch angles too, though. I know, yeah. The, the asylum is just like I, I was sitting watching it with my good lady friend. She was just like, "This is very unpleasant to watch." It, yeah, like, it's, it's just it's a hard watch, it's isn't very it? Very jarring. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hard, hard watch. watch. I I was on a real roller coaster with this damn thing. I like the start. I like the kind of gross volunteer criminal aspect at the beginning. I like the first yeah. 10 minutes or so in the asylum. Then the asylum started feeling like it was dragging on too long. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, can we get out of this, please? Then he went back to World War One very briefly. I think only to get shot so that could become a plot point later. Yeah. And then it got into the Brad Pitt and the eco-terrorist thing. That was engaging for about 15 minutes, but then that started outstaying its welcome. Uh, to wane. Yeah, yeah, and then it got super melodramatic for the finale. And, what was that? And abandoned it like French, itself. Like it, yeah. well, ben, it was like Casablanca or something. It was really weird. Well, Ben, it was inspired by French art house cinema. I know, I know. But like, uh, look, sure, look, sure, listen. It's, a, it's an odd one. But a, a worthy one, Michael, I think, for our first episode of Exhumed. Because I think there was a lot of meat and potatoes in that one there. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
I think it was a pretty good. I think it was a pretty good choice for that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're going to have to wrap it up. Aren't we? uh, we've been we've been talking for a while. Ben, we've had some technical difficulties on this episode, so Christ oh, knows how goodness. Christ knows how long this is going to pan out to be. It could be forty minutes. It could be two hours. Yeah, this has been a shite episode. <laughs> um, a genuinely shite episode. Uh, it was. It was a real tough one. Um, but yeah, it, not our not our best. <laughs> Technical difficulties galore, Michael. Technical difficulties galore. But sure, what can we've you been do? here for hours, Ben? Benjamin, do the wrap up more positive. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of the first inaugural episode of Exhumed? We would love to hear from you in a bunch of different places and we'd love to hear what films you'd like to take a look back at with us on the podcast. You can get in touch with us in a bunch of different ways. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanrabeag.com S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com Tiny Room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at Sure Look, Sure Listen Podcast. It means Sure Look, Sure Listen Podcast in English. But the best way, ladies and gentlemen, to get in touch with myself or Michael, the lovely Michael, is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. Yeah, get up on it. Give us a give us a shout. You can get in touch with us. You can occasionally be name dropped at the start of an episode to say that you're good at recommending things. Um if that's not high praise, I don't know what is. Um, so there's lots of ways that you can benefit from getting up on that Discord. You can join us in a week's time, ladies and gentlemen, where we have a mystery topic because I've forgotten to update the calendar. Oh, very good. So How exciting. It week. could be anything. So, it could be anything. If you have a topic you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, you can get in touch. There's an open slot. Let us know. For the love of God, please um, let us know. <laughs> please let us know. We're out of content. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thanks a million for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.